love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura, joined with my usual guest, or guest, co-host. Oh my goodness. Alyssa Gadeski. too, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about your surgery recovery as part of our, our show today. So you get to be on the hot seat for that. And another special guest, uh, Sarah Gross, our feisty founder, feisty chief uh, from Feisty Media, who has some special, special announcements for us leading into the women's Ironman world championships in Kona, just like a little more than a month away. Welcome Sarah. <laughs> Hi. It's, it's actually so fun to be here. What I was thinking when you asked me to come on, I was like, wow, it's first of all, it's been a long time. And I always remember back to those first days, like some of the first things I did when I was like, let's have a media company, let's call it feisty, right? It was like record, I think I recorded a couple solo episodes of the Iron Women podcast before Alyssa originally joined me. So it is really great to be here. Right. Yes, and, and so, oh, go ahead, Alyssa. Oh, no, I was just saying it's like a full circle moment, I feel like from <laughs> those early days and what kind of prompted you to start feisty media and get that off the ground to mm. where we are looking at and all women's world championship here in Kona. It's like, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable to see. I don't know. It feels like a long time coming, obviously, but it is nice to finally have yeah. that work feel like it's coming to fruition. Well, yeah. And as you know, Alyssa, like a lot of what was what feisty media, the impetus for feisty media was came out of like our 50 women to Kona movement, you know, and not asking for equal slots for the pros at, at the Ironman world championship and not getting it and just kind of thinking, well, what else can we do? Like, how can we make an impact on the sport and how can we increase like not just women's participation, but also women's leadership, you know? And so that was like always baked into what we were doing when we started Iron Women. And now, like you said, full circle, we have Iron Man coming back to us and saying, hey, like you've done really well with this media thing, you know, and this is you two, obviously, as well, are a huge part of this, like talking to um, talking to women in our sport, like, you know, can you can we co-host some some stuff on the ground in Kona? So it's uh, really fun to see. I know. I hope you got that those conversations recorded because I would just love to hear like it was it's a it does feel like such a long time coming to say hear them say like oh you guys have done something right and we would like you to help us also do things right so I yeah I am very very excited for what you have coming up and it, it kicks off this week um hmm. the whole campaign right with with watch the women yeah so this week on I guess the page will be live by the time this podcast goes out. So our campaign is called Watch the Women. Um, and it's kind of loosely based on, do you, do you remember when they had the first Tour de France Femme last year, like in 2022? Way, way back in. Way back. <laughs> do you guys remember back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, is this going to be a long time ago? Because probably not. <laughs> I did frame it like that. So funny. Remember? Um, <laughs> way, way back. It's like a long time to me, you know, like so, so much has happened. It does um, feel like a long time ago. I will say that. 
it does. And the campaign was called Watch the Femme, you know, and they had a, like it was um, with Zwift, of course. Um, and Zwift had a landing page that let you know, like all the ways that you could support um, the women's Tour de France. And so we were we thought, OK, you know what? Like, I think there's a little concern about women having their own day um in Kona like are people going to take the slots are people are is the industry going to come is the media going to show up and then next year in Nice of course there'll be that same um I think there's like just a concern in general amongst like the pros and the athletes and I think we just want to show them like yes like people will show up people do care about women's racing um and just create as much hype as possible so that's what is essentially behind the watch the women campaign Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I do. I have talked to several of my sponsors who will be in Kona and some of them didn't even go to Nice. And so I do think, you know, there still is the allure there. And I do think this, uh, all women's world championship is going to be a, a great opportunity, but what, what goes with this campaign? Are we going to see merch? Are we going to see events? Are we going to see social media? What can we be looking out for over the next month? Yes. So all of the above, but I think, you know, most importantly on the landing page, we do have some ways to support. So you can um, post a picture of yourself and use, uh, I think it's watch women's Kona as the hashtag. And we have merch, Haley, like the design, the t-shirt designs that Ellen did. We just did a little photo shoot here on Friday. And I've, I don't think I've ever been so excited about any shirts that like they're really, yeah, they're really cute. Um, and so you can, yeah, you can buy the shirts. They say they like, if you know the sport, well, like there's one with like, um, an image that's like sort of loosely based on Julie Moss's crawl. Okay. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to spoiler alert this because it's already going to be live on the page. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, like, I don't know why I'm being so cagey. Um, it's like, it has like kind of like an, yeah, an image that looks like Julie Moss's crawl. And then it says crawling our way to the top established yeah, 1982 oh <laughs> that's very awesome cool. does julie know about this yeah so we said yeah we even we sent her some shirts you know um and then there's one that's like if you know this is a l- even deeper in the weeds but if you know like some of those I- images of paula newby fraser from the early days like the way that she crossed the finish line like it's very distinct to me because i remember all those photos so it just says watch the women and it has the image of paula newby well not it's not her but the nostalgia her pose this is amazing because I am someone who got into the sport watching the videos from the 90s and um and I guess even 80s and that was how I I learned to ride the trainer was watching those old videos on DVD and so these images are what got me into the sport this is so cool I love this I wasn't expecting this yeah okay we'll definitely get you to some shirts by the way side note but that and then there's the last one that says um that has the names you know those shirts they're kind of trendy right now where it just has names on it yes like 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 Michelle Obama, like it would have like Michelle and I don't know, all these other women who yeah. were like really <laughs> like, amazing. Taylor yeah, so. and Barbie and yeah. Olivia yeah. and <laughs> Beyonce. Exactly. So ours say um, Paula and Natasha and Chris, and Rennie and Chrissy uh, and, oh no, Chelsea's the last one. Oh, Daniela, of course. And Daniela okay. and, and Chelsea. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. these are great. Okay. So people can go to feistytriathlon.com slash watch dash the dash women. I think it's the only <laughs> page that should be live. It will be yeah, live hopefully when this comes out, but, and that will be like the key to 
finding all the merch. It would be great if we all like had it in hand to land in Kona with it, but then things will be available from you in Kona as well. Yes. So we will have, we will have the stuff in Kona. You can buy it online right now. Like you said, um, there's a couple designs for each one, you know, like you can get a tank or a tee. Cause I'm someone who like, I know some people love t-shirts. I like never wear t-shirts. I always wear tanks and, it, and especially in Kona. And even if you're not going to Kona, you know, you can wear the merch and post it on your social um, with the hashtag. So it's a pretty fun way to get involved. And then we also give like all the ways that you can, and we will continue to build this landing page, right? So all the ways that you can actually watch the race, the ways you can watch the things before the race, we have some, um, some information about the pro athletes too. Like if people are kind of new and, um, they don't know who Daniela is, they can, you know, (laughs) they can read, um, all about her and the other favorites too, for the race. So. Very cool. So feistytriathlon.com forward slash watch dash the dash women or go to our show notes or else we're probably gonna be posting it all over on social media. Hopefully you can't miss it. Uh, what about what's happening in Hawaii? Because you mentioned some partnership with Iron Man. We know you'll be there. Alyssa and I will be there. Like, I mean, are there opportunities to meet up in person in case other people are going to be there? Yes. Uh, the answer to that is yes. This is a, it's an amazing, again, I think we, I think Alyssa already said like a full circle moment um, for us to be, you know, we, we were talking to Ironman and putting together some events for women kind of during race week. Like, you know, how for anyone who's been to Kona before, there's a lot of stuff going on during race week. Um, so we decided we wanted to do a series of, um, they're essentially live podcast recordings they're events in and of themselves that you can attend. And also we're recording them as podcasts and we're actually putting them on this feed. So people will be able to um, listen to them as well. Every single day. You don't have to wait for Thursday. You don't have to, you don't have to wait for Thursday. Exactly. And so those special episodes are kind of dotted around. So I think the first one, we're still kind of back and forth with Iron Man about the exact contents of each of the individual. Um, I think there's six events. But the first one that we proposed is, and this will come up at some point, is about sort of heat um, and nutrition trainings with with the with an expert on that's going to speak specifically to the ways that like female physiology is affected by those things. Um, so like it's those types of threads. Like so like that's the kind of thing that we're making the difference in is like when we're hearing about like how like we are going to also hear about how our guts why some of us have more gut issues than men do, which is true, right? Um, so we'll, we're hearing about it from the, a female perspective, basically. So there's a nutrition and heat one. I think we're talking, oh, we're talking about performance um, during and after perimenopause and menopause, of course, because um, everything changes for us. Um, so that's another big topic. We're going to talk about um, female physiology for the, you know, for the midlife woman or pre-perimenopausal woman. So how our cycles kind of affect things um, for women's performance specifically. Um, And then like a lot of the ordinary things that you would expect in Kona, like there'll be a lot of first timers there this year, right? Which is amazing because there's more room for more people to have slots. So there's going to be more women there who haven't been there before. So there'll be other topics that you can come and hear about, like um, just about the course, or you can hear from people who have done it before. So it's kind of like a bit of everything to support every woman who um, wants to do her best in Kona on race day. So these are like live podcast events that I'm assuming you'll, you'll post where, where the events are happening. People can go watch in person, but if they aren't in Kona, they can listen to the podcast afterwards later in the day. 
Yeah, exactly. And some of them um, are happening as kind of webinars beforehand as well, like oh, before okay. we actually hit the ground on race week. So I think there's three or four events during race week and some of them they can attend. We'll like, just watch our social media. We'll send this out by email too, like the schedule. Um, if you subscribe to our Feisty Triathlon newsletter, you will also get all this information in your inbox. So you can attend um, the session, whether it's a webinar or if you're in Kona, you could also attend. And another one I forgot, which I'm so, which I'm, this is, this is actually Kelly O'Mara's idea, um, is we're bringing in a sports psychologist for after the race, you know? Mm. So, you know how like after Ironman, especially like a world championship type event, um, people often have that slump. I'm sure you both know, cause you coach, right? The day after is like <laughs> I coach the most race. unhappiest day in Kona. I feel like, like everyone's walking around and tired and unhappy a lot of times and everyone, it is a lot of times like cheer up people. Let's like turn this brown upside down. So this sounds like a great idea. Yeah, exactly. And I think for a lot of folks too, who, you know, like as pros, we often will do a big championship race and then we're like on to the next thing, you know, like we're actually planning for our next race, but sometimes an amateur athlete is just kind of going home and going back to work and family life and everything else. So I think there is, a, I saw that when I was coaching too, like that slump, kind of in the fall after whatever their last race is. Um, and so we're going to talk about that with a sports psych as well. So it's a fun one. So this will, you'll have this conversation before the race. So everyone can listen and then make their plans for post-race. So they don't get those post-race blues. Ooh, is that, is I that like how things that are idea. happening? I, I like that idea. We were actually going to do it after. Oh, okay. Um, or but after. yeah, actually, it's, it actually is a good idea to see it coming. I don't know how the, you know, we talked through a little bit about, you know, when we're talking about something like, for example, like how perimenopause affects our athletic performance, they're like, we don't want to go like too far down that road right before Kona, because people are super focused on doing a world championship. Right. So it's like, yeah. okay, like we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about some things that people could actually do to like potentially mitigate symptoms that actually would affect. Okay. Be related to the race. Um, but then, you know, that's, so it's not just, <laughs> I actually you know like saying? that. There's like, like you said, actually, I do like the idea that things are continuing after the race, because maybe that is like, while you're having these blues, you get to talk to other people and you like get out of it quick. So it's only one day. And then you're like, and, and it's kind of otherwise, and you don't have the fall off, even if you aren't racing, even if you aren't in Kona, you don't have that fall off in coverage because, you mm -hmm. know, I missed that right. with a lot of different sporting events. I feel like I can feel that about the world cup right now where it's like, oh, it's over or the U S open or, exactly. you know, anything like that, where it's kind of like, um, or when you, you know, I think about the Taylor Swift eras tour and all I wanted after that was more Taylor Swift, more coverage, continue watching, streaming the, uh, concert other places. So like, let's keep it going. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. You know, it's funny because we were trying to decide the exact day that we want that, that episode to come out. It's like, when are people going to hit the like maximum slump, like their maximum yeah. desire for like a little bit more Kona or a little bit of something to, to boost their mood. So that was, that's the day we're trying to figure out what that day is for people. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate thinking about these things. Sarah, I'm so excited. I'm very excited about all this and it sounds like it's unfolding. It's going to be a lot. Keep the hype going. Um, and I'm excited. I get to see you in about a month. Yeah, me too. I also going to tell you, we are having, like, we have a house on Alihi Drive and if people are going to Kona, they will see us because we're going to have lots of flags and we're going to host events, um, in the house as well for folks who want to come to brunch. There'll probably be a oh, couple cool. during the week. So watch out for this. There's so much going on. Like, you know, you need to read the email to get <laughs> to even I do to remember everything that's going on. So it's going to be really fun in Kona this year. 
Awesome. Well, we know our Iron Women podcast listeners can be the best at hyping things. So we're counting on everyone to help us out with that and get the merch and see everyone we can on the ground in Kona in about a month. Yay. Thanks thanks, so much, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, thanks you too. All right, Haley. Well, we, man, I'm like so Kona focused now. I'm trying to recenter my brain because I'm like, how am I going to kind of go back to this um, normal life after getting so excited for the Kona prep? But um, we can, we should talk about my knee surgery because I am here. You can't quite see my position in life right now, but I'm sitting here in a straight leg brace and I made it through surgery to the other side. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not on any pain medicine right now. So, um, I feel like that's a great sign, right? Like the surgery was Thursday. Um, we're recording on Monday. I made it to my first PT appointment this morning. Like already things are are rolling. The only thing that's like really not rolling good is like my ability to shower. (laughs) Ooh, that's like okay. I showers feel like I am a little not super actually as clean as I would like to be especially because we take showers I mean I take like two or three showers a day normally yeah. in training for like various things right or like you're in and out of the pool and whatever so like I'm quite used to being clean I feel like or like sweaty shower after then, PT yeah. I feel like PT is like shockingly hard yeah <laughs> like sweaty and you're like laying places and yeah do you have a bathtub so I have like, like a, a, a leg out of the, a leg out of the bath, kind uh, of bath, like sponge bath. Like wash your hair maybe, that way. The problem right now is getting the straight leg, like up and over the tub and into things. No, you, you just know? leave it out. Uh, <laughs> you leave well, it's it out like a, tub. it's a clawfoot tub. So that, I don't know, maybe oh. I would need like a seat, but I do have a shower. One of the best, um, like recommendations going into this with someone's like, you need a shower seat. So I do have a shower seat. Um, but it's just, it's just like all the things, right. And figuring out how to like get naked and like, do you do that before you sit on the shower seat or do you I think you do like, <laughs> at what point? So then like <laughs> you get yourself ready. You're just sitting there naked on the shower seat. Right. And I'm like, Matt, can you come in and turn the water on? So then he comes in and just like blasts me with the water, right? Like there's no good way to just Ooh, like all of a sudden cold. turn water. Luckily we like the water does warm up really, really fast, but it's just like, it's, you know, it's one of those things. I was like, that wasn't very enjoyable. And I like taking shower. Like, I think it's nice. So I think that's, that's my low point of the past you few have- days, which in the grand scheme of things, isn't bad. No, you have a, a bit of time to figure it out. Just in case we have any new listeners, we can remind them that Alyssa did have surgery last week on her Mrs. Root in her knee. And this was from an injury a few months ago. You still raced one water adventure race, like 40 hours of <laughs> racing in Sweden on this knee, but now you are getting it fixed. Um, and we are anticipating about six weeks of recovery time. Is that right? Um, you know, so you're half a week in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Check I'm like counting down off. the days. I'm like, all right, 42 days down to like 38 now, you know? Um, but yeah, the surgery itself went very well. My meniscus was still like in good condition. They were able to reattach that with no issues. Um, they did have to stretch my MCL to like get my leg in a position to be able to do that work, which was like an interesting find. I guess they were a little surprised by that, but, um, not a huge deal. Cause I have to recover from everything anyway. So just adding that to the list of things my legs recovering from. And then, um, the like negative stuff, I guess was that, um, 
they did find like a decent amount of arthritis in the joint itself on a couple places, but um, there's no way to tell. Like, honestly, I, you know, the doctor and I kind of think that's probably been there for a while based on this being um, a tear that happened as a result of like degeneration and just like use of my knee. Um, the arthritis has probably been a part of that this whole time. And so um, you know, not super surprising, but they weren't like thrilled, I guess, to find all of that in my knee, but hopefully reattaching the meniscus does, you know, at least alleviate pain from that and like buy me a good bit more time on the knee. So, um, yeah, I mean, one step at a time, I feel like it went as well as it could have, but I am non-weight bearing for six weeks on this leg and then two weeks weaning off of crutches. So two months on crutches and then get to start doing, like more fun stuff after that. Um, PT right now is a lot of like, I don't know, stretching, flexing your quad. Like, you know, this stuff from rehab, right? It's like, you go in, you're like ready to do stuff. I wish I didn't. Flex your quad. And I'm like, okay, here we go. (laughs) And it's like so hard. That's all I know about. I mean, that's what I remember about PT is that you're doing these like very small movements and just impossible. And you're like, wait a second. I just ran over the whole Swedish archipelago. Why can I now not even just like flex this or like you're flexing and you're like sweating and you're dripping and you're like crying because it's so hard, but bless the PTs who, who get us back going. And it's amazing. The human body's amazing. It will come back. I'm glad to hear that, you know, you're feeling well enough for PT and you're out there doing it already. I think that's great. Yeah. And like, I'm definitely very lucky that my mom was free. She's up here helping me this week. I think just getting into the new routine with things and like, yeah, learning how I'm going to like take dogs out and like, uh, how to just like where I can sit and all of those things. It's like carrying things, everything. Becomes your, a little do bit you have a, a living room bed? Did you do the living room bed? I Is did that... do the living room bed. Yeah. And so I, we have like an air mattress, one of those air mattresses that's like higher, you know, not like a really low camping one. So we blew up that. So it's like, I can at least sleep on that pretty comfortably. Do the and dogs then, like, come join you? Oh yeah. I mean, Ramona has like not left my side the entire time, like getting her to go oh. to the bathroom even. It's like, all right. Like I have to crutch to the door so that she'll even go outside. Oh, Max you're kinda, like, eh. emotional support animal. Oh, yeah. recovery animal. Oh yeah. I mean, she is true and true. The most loyal friend ever. And, um, so they're, they've been great, but yeah, I mean, I'm one floor living as much as I can. I did come up cause I was like, eh, my good microphone is upstairs. So I like did the butt scoot to get up the stairs so that I could record today. And then, but stairs are pretty terrifying when your leg is stuck out straight Getting and you're down. Crutches, so. How are you going to get down? I'll butt scoot again, <laughs> going down, I think, you know? So, um, and my mom again is here to like spot me, but you know, once she leaves, it's like, yeah, I'm not attempting any stairs. So we're just going to have the checklist of things like Matt has to bring down the level before he goes to work. And then, um, it'll be good. But I, you know, we are lucky that like, yeah, we have the shower on the main floor and everything I've been, sleeping like some of the nights in like a lazy boy chair. Um, cause the sleeping has been just the hardest to sh- sleeping and showering has been hardest to adjust to because the brace is just so heavy and uncomfortable and like trying to keep it elevated. So it doesn't swell up as much and things like that. Just finding those comfortable positions is challenging, but, um, and also like, I think since I'm not, I'm on one hand, I am tired. Like I've been taking a lot of naps, which I think is good because, just letting my body heal. And like, I haven't had a problem resting, but then 
at the same time, I am like staying up a little later and just like watching Netflix. And you got like to, that, you right? have yeah, to. So. I mean, I feel like when you're like in the thick of training, you know, there is so much pressure to like get as much sleep as possible, go to bed. And I feel like that's one of the, that's not your limiting factor right now. Yeah. <laughs> and the U.S. Open has been on and it's been so much fun to like watch that and get to see like I, you know, then I got up early to watch the men racing in Nice and like things like that. So um, yeah, I've had my hands full so far with like between my naps, I feel like I'm, I'm keeping occupied with all of that. So it's been good. Um, what did, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. What did you think of the men's race in Nice? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I, I don't know what I was like expecting, I guess. Right. But I thought it was exciting. I thought it was, um, I enjoyed the fact that it was like new, right? Like we weren't sure how the bike course would break up groups and things like that. And like how it was going to unfold. I, I thought it made for like a little less exciting run, you know? Um, but Patrick getting through the field. I mean, that's kind I know, of exciting. true, true. But I did. And like, I, I'm very interested to hear from people running because did you, I mean, it was like, they had a lot of spectators sometimes out on the course of the run course and it was like tight thing, you know? And so I'm curious to see the feedback on like that and the crowds and like how much room there was because it never really, it never looked too crowded really. But I was like, oh man, I don't know if I would want people cheering like right there, you know, while you're trying to run and do that. So, um, it was cool to see. I would love it. I loved amazing. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I the bike course I would not love there, but no, as, and I did race there in 2019 mm-hmm. for the 70.3 Worlds, and it is, I mean, Nice is amazing. It's beautiful, and um, I did love the run. Like it's even though it's very flat, and I, we did two laps for 70.3, so I'm assuming four laps for that the Ironman similar, and um. I mean, I love a lot of cheers. I did think it was great. There seemed to be a lot of spectators out there. I mean, the swim in the Mediterranean is beautiful. The bike course looked beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it all incredible. Cool. Yeah, it just looked in, incredibly scary to try to go as fast as as you can. But um, kudos to the folks with the bike skills to handle it. Yeah, and I loved. I mean, I love four lap runs. I think that's like the best way to do a marathon because it's like you never go too far. You always have a turn or something to think about. It's like broken up. You're never just like oh head out on the queen K until you can't see any more. Right. Like yes. hopefully you come back. Well, and so. it, it's the opposite of the queen K because the queen K they like, they stopped the spectators mm-hmm. and now it's at like mile six or seven. It's really early. Yeah. And that for me, like that is where I lost it last it's year. Hard. Like coming back on the, you know, I, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a different mental battle for sure. And Um, I know that some people don't like it when, you know, you see like you're on your first lap and you can see like the 20 mile mark and you're like, oh, but I just tell myself, I'm like, Hey, eventually that mile is going to be for me. (laughs) You know, eventually I'm going to get here, but, um, I'm with you. I kind of do like a loop course. And I also am really loving, I love the split gender, uh, races. I think Mm -hmm. this was something I really hit me in Milwaukee when I got to watch the men's race, because Typically, honestly, I would like to go first and, but in Milwaukee, the men went first, the women went the next day. And there was something about actually getting to watch the men that it just made me feel better about myself, about what I'm doing with my life. It kind of helped me put into perspective 
um, how hard the race is and also how it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like you think, like I saw the hype for the men. I saw what everyone thought was going to happen. And then it didn't exactly happen. I mean, Jan won that race, which was amazing, but, um, you know, Christian cramping, no one saw that happening. And then certain people who had not as good a days, I didn't see that happening. And I also didn't, I didn't think, wow, what a loser, which I think when I'm in the moment, sometimes that's what I'm thinking about myself. And it just helped me put that in perspective. That also happened last year in Hawaii when I got to watch the men's race after my own. Um, I got to think, I was like, wow. I'm like, why do these crazy people do this? You know, and then I'm like, oh my goodness, I just did this two days ago. Why am I crazy? But um, I mean, I know I there's lots of reasons. That's what therapy is for. But um, but even this one happening a month before my own race, it just gave me this different perspective. And I really appreciate that because I, I got up, I watched the end of that race and, and this time Jan didn't win, you know, he was mm -hmm. having a, a tougher day in the back, but it was still so cool to see it. And it was cool to see Sam Laidlow, you know, win in France, French winner in France. Um, I was, you know, very impressed with Patrick run. I was impressed with, uh, Rudy Von Berg getting fourth from the U S I think, you know, he's had a, a tough summer with injury. And, and so it was just kind of cool to like, to see all that, come out and, and happen. And, uh, Magnus and third, sorry, name the podium, but, um, my brain is like, and it was cool to see chronological order. <laughs> it was cool to see too, that like, I mean, especially for Sam's win, I feel like it's, well, I'm, I don't know. That's not true necessarily, but you know, the, as they were announcing the race, um, you know, people would say like, Oh, um, you know, Sam still has a long way to go. Anything could happen and kind of setting him up for like this implosion or this failure almost. Right. Like, because that's, what you kind of, I mean, it's it happens in shot, Iron Man, right? Like it, it could be, yeah, like it might go well, it might not. And so I've been there to, to get to, to have, I think it was a great time to like get to see it go successfully. Like he ran so, you know, he didn't have an implosion. He didn't start cramping. He didn't, but right. Like we got to see him enjoy that, like the run he was trained to have, you know? And so I think that's always fun too. Like as much as we love the drama so much in Iron Man to get to like see it unfold and have those implosions and Patrick Lang is coming from so far. Right. But it's like, no, it's nice to have someone have a day that they've been saying they're ready to have, you know? And so I think, yeah, it was cool to get to see. And it definitely made me more excited for, for Kona and getting to watch the the race unfold there. Yes. I, again, I, I woke up, watched the end of that run. Um, I, uh, then, you know, went and did my own run and I, I had a little extra pep in my step for sure. And I just think I appreciate the opportunity that I get to be on a stage like that. Did and you plan a four loop run for yourself. I did a treadmill. I okay. did a smaller Almost, loop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to the loops. I, I probably, you know, I, I do the yeah shortest loop possible, but, um, definitely, cool to get that perspective. So congratulations to all the men who did race. You have motivated me for my own last month of training and I'm excited for, for our race. You know, I'm even more excited. So very cool. Wait, and oh wait, can I share a Kona workout of the week? Yes. The time? Yeah. I think we'll make yeah. the time. We'll make time. We're making time this week. Yeah. Um, actually this is like, okay, this one is funny. Cause today I went to the pool this morning and, um, right. The pool situation in Bozeman has been interesting this summer. I mean, it always is, but I'm swimming right now in a small outdoor pool. Um, and the water temp this morning was 73 <laughs> and the Whoa. air temp was like 40. <laughs> so Whoa. Okay. it was, um, it was, it was chilly. It was brisk. Um, and you know, I got my swimming 
And I did have a terribly hard one today. I think a hardest one might have been better, except there were like zero stops. And usually on a Monday, I'm fairly chatty because I'm catching up with people, hearing about their weekends and that kind of thing. And there was not a lot of chatting this morning. It was just like, get it done, keep it moving. Um, and this pool is normally very, very, very warm. Like I would say typically it's like probably like 88. So normally it's like way too warm. And that's one reason I swim in the morning was because I like that temperature differential. Otherwise I like boil. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a brisk morning, but that's not the actual workout I'm sharing. So because it has been such an interesting summer of swimming and I'm just trying to set myself up for a decent swim in Hawaii. Um, I actually have been doing more open water swimming than usual. And last week was our last, um, open water swim. There's, there's two guys here in, in Bozeman, Dylan Gillespie, who's a pro triathlete and John Kaiser, who's an age grouper. And they put on this thing called buoy nights and they, they put out like buoys in this local reservoir and they usually make around a thousand meter loop and a bunch of people show up and swim and it's pretty cool. Like, it's like, I mean, it's so bizarre sometimes because it's like people in Bozeman that I don't know. And I'm like, where do you swim normally? And sometimes they'll be like, I don't, um, you know, cause we don't have a lot of pools. So I'm like, how do I not know you? And it's just, it is a cool like community event. And so I have been adding that as like a workout and with it being laps like that, I can actually like, do a workout. So I'll usually do like the first lap, um, as like a warm up, And then the second lap, I might do something like three minutes hard, three minutes easy. And then the third lap, I actually have brought some paddles out there and I'll like pull like a swim runner. Um, yeah. I, and, and so I, I do four, I was doing either four to five loops most, um, weeks. And so until it got really cold, I would try to do like a couple laps. I do like three laps with a wetsuit and then take off the wetsuit for the last Whoa. two, because okay. the body position position is different. And Kona is non-wetsuit. And, um, so I just wanted to practice that, but then I would be so, so cold after because the water temp was probably like 60, mm, you know, yeah. like 60, like low 60s. So, um, air temp is decent usually, but it's like we're starting at 6 PM. So like sun's going down as you're getting to those last lobes. And I would be like, you know, we're like trying to like clean up after. And John sometimes would be like, just please quit helping and go like send your heat in the car because it, I was like making everyone anxious with all my shivering. Um, but I'm just trying to tell myself, this is like non-scientific, totally anecdotal, probably not good advice, but, um, like, I'm like, if I can handle the cold, maybe I can handle the heat in Hawaii. <laughs> what do you think about that thought process? I mean, uncomfortable is uncomfortable for sure. Like putting yourself into yeah, situations where it's like one more minute, one more stroke, one more, whatever. Right. It's like that absolutely translates. So I think that's, that's a solid, I mean, a study of two right here. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank, thank you for that yeah. validation. That is exactly what I'm like. I'm like, you're just like figuring out a way to get through it. It's a different sensation, but it's still like a temperature that I'm not comfortable with. And so that is what I was thinking in those open water swims. Um, and then even this morning at the pool, you know, just kind of seeing this challenge, how do I get through it? You know, in a safe way, I'm not in, in a, advocating for anyone to put themselves like in danger, but I do think hopefully there is a way to make this work. Even if you aren't in those exact like climate circumstances. So we'll see how it works out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think obviously the physiological part of being in cold versus heat is like a different reaction on your body. But I think so much of that stuff is mental and like just getting yourself mentally tough to handle it and to handle being really uncomfortable and like walking that lot, running that line of like, can I keep 
holding this, you know? So no, I think that's cool. I, I fully support the new trend that will take off after Kona this year of like the cold training for Kona. Yeah. We'll see how it goes, but there's my, my swim workout of the week. Um, you know, making it work wherever you are and whatever conditions. So, and, and we're going to try to do a mailbag this week, right? Yeah. Let's just do a mailbag. This is hopefully people who are racing in Kona will be going into last long rides, last long runs. So we're just filling time in your ears, just run and ride with Haley and Alyssa on the Iron Women podcast. Nice long one for you this week. And Haley, this comes actually from a question from one of my athletes, um, Stephanie, who is racing in Kona. And she came to me with the question that I thought was perfect um, for, you know, this kind of pre-race time frame. And she mentioned that she was having some anxiety dreams. Like the other night, she was driving an out of control bus over a bridge and the anxiety is coming from pre-race anxiety over racing a big race like Kona. And so wanted to know how we would handle the pre-race anxiety for a big race. Um, and so I think this is a great question. I think that's like a very applicable, um, you know, everyone has nerves going into big events and especially something like Kona where, you know, or something for me with one water, it was like, I decided to do that in last Thanksgiving timeframe, you know? So for nine months, essentially it was like the build up to this one big event. So it does like nerves build. Um, I don't think I've ever really had stress dreams, like rest race related, really. I, I have. have. Okay. What if you're, oh, you I, had, really I had one that I was like, I was doing a race with two transitions, but like I accidentally put my run shoes with my bike and my bike shoes with my my running gear, which actually, I guess you could get it done. I mean, you just have yeah. to run, you just have to ride in your running shoes. I mean, it'd be a little bit of a hard bike a, ride, but you can yeah. get it done. But I like things like the that. running in your like, bike shoes would be the worst. Oh, but then you would just have them on. I would just keep oh, yeah. them. But I think in my dream, I was thinking I would have to run in my bike shoes. That would be very bad. That would be a great way to get injured. So luckily this was, I mean, I have these kind of dreams all the time. Actually, I have dreams all the time where I wake up and I was just like, thank goodness that wasn't real. I'm like, man, my brain is odd, but I am so thankful that isn't real. And I am now awake. <laughs> I actually, the last, like, I think this probably is a stress dream because I've been so nervous about putting weight on my leg. Cause it's like supposed to be no weight bearing. Right. And it was like, when I was taking the pain medicine in that day after I was having dreams that I was like walking upstairs on it. And I kept waking up like in a panic of like, Listen, like stop walking on your leg. And then I was like laying in the lazy boy, like dead asleep. Right. And I was like, oh man, this is like, your mind is crazy. And totally. It's funny that I'm like more stressed about that than I apparently have been about like racing in the last decade. But, um, you know, that's another They're just thing. Big. It's big. It is big. So yeah. we can mostly tell Steph, you're not alone. You're not alone right. in these anxiety yes. dreams. And I mean, I think in a way it means you care, you care about the event. So I think it can be good. I do understand where it's like, it, it isn't necessarily the most useful thing, especially if you have one of those dreams where you wake up and you feel like you've been awake and then you're like, I didn't even sleep. Mm -hmm. And what I'll tell myself in that moment is that you did like your body was still resting. You were, you know, in a restful state, even if your mind was still working and, um, you know, just try to kind of conceptualize that where I'm like, I did get rest, even though I didn't feel like it. If once I get moving, things will probably get better. And I'll probably forget everything that just went through my brain. Um, that is, you know, one tactic I try to use for myself. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I think that I, one of my strengths and a reason I don't let myself get too, too like nervous, especially in the weeks before the days before I start to like pick it up more, but, um, 
you know, I, I try really hard not to look at like the big picture of the race too much. And I, you know, I think there's like some big worries you could have of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be slow and I'm going to be slow in the swim. And then I'm going to like, you know, struggle on the bike with the heat. And then I'm going to struggle, you know, like these are like big picture worries, but you have to just remind yourself and like stay kind of present in your daily life of like doing your training, controlling the controllables, getting the rest, fueling well, like doing all the things in your daily life and letting those things become habits that you can control because that's all the race is about too, right? Is about like staying present, controlling the controllables, staying focused. And if you've done your training, like it's, you're going to make the right decisions in the race. It's going to, we know it's going to be hard. We know some things will go wrong, but like things go wrong in training and you do the right things, right? Like there's never a time when Steph is like totally blown a training day and like, you know, so I, I know 100% when something goes wrong, which it will in Kona, like she's going to make the right decision and she's going to go from there appropriately, right? So I think trying to stay present in your daily life as much as you can, controlling those controllables and like really just trying to distract your mind from not going into the what ifs, because like we can think of a million what ifs, you know, like what if there's like a, I don't know, like a meteors one those, or one of those like mountain goats that are on the lava rocks runs out in the Kona bite, right? Like, I mean, you can think of what ifs that are like crazy, right? But like odds are this race has gone off and like, we know you're going to get hot. We know you're going to get tired. We know it's going to be really hard, right? But like, so let's practice those things every day, getting through them and it'll be okay. Um, yeah. I think another thing that I like doing is like your bedtime routine, Um, you know, and I love reading before going to bed and I read somewhere like years ago that if you can read for like at least six minutes before bed, like it does help your brain. So I, oh. I aim for at least six minutes. Cause like 95% Sometimes of the time six minutes is hard. Cause a lot of times it's like one page. I'm like, Oh, all right. And we're done. <laughs> but, um, and also, I mean, I love reading, but right now I, I, I have picked books that are not that like, they're not they're fantasy. Um, I'm reading okay. Fourth wing, which is like about, um dragons you know and and a dragon rider right now which is like very different from triathlon um I mean there's probably themes that are kind of similar but it is it's not it's not like the latest nonfiction about something that's like actually happening in the world and so I think that that kind of gives my brain something else to think about and sometimes when I can't sleep I will you know I actually will just like pick up the book and read a little bit and um and then it helps me get back to sleep and I feel like it puts my brain in a place that I'm not going into like an anxiety spiral. No, that's a really good, good thing. And something that I have just recently started focusing on again um, with the bedtime routine is the magnesium aspect with pillar performance because they came on board as a sponsor of our podcast. So I was like, Oh, this is like a good time to have that this back into the bedtime routine. Right. And I think Little things like that, like adding magnesium, um, you know, adding tea or whatever, like something just like a routine, a ritual to like stay calm and yeah, like just get your mind maybe on a fantasy book instead of all the worries that we could possibly list is a really good way to um, just give yourself the best chance to not have those anxiety dreams. Yes. That pillar, triple magnesium. I, I will say magnesium for me doesn't like put me to sleep. Like I actually, I think it, the instructions are to drink it about an hour before bedtime. And sometimes I'll drink it like a couple hours before bedtime. Cause I do feel like it's, I, when I first started 
trying it, I thought, oh, I'm going to drink this and like fall asleep. And that's not what happens for me. I think it might for some people, but not for me. I take it a few, you know, a few hours before, like as I'm kind of winding down for bed. Um, and then I do think it helps me get more deep sleep though. I like, I will wake up a feeling more rested and that I really appreciate. And, um, you know, regardless of what kind of dreams I've had. And you, if you want to try and up your bedtime routine, you can go to Haley. Do you have the pillar? Yeah. It's the feed.com forward okay. slash pillar P I L L A R. So you have to go through the feed. If that's, if you're in, I believe North America, um, that is, you know, you have to go through the feed, the feed.com forward slash pillar, use the code feisty, all capital letters, F E I S T Y. And you get 15% off your order. Well worth it. If you're trying to, uh, just get the deepest sleep possible. I know Jocelyn Wong, who is on the, if we were writing podcast, she sleeps with a whoop, uh, wearable device. So she can like really track her, her, her sleep. And she was telling me like the data she's gotten is amazing. I don't, I can't handle anything around my wrists at night. I mean, I haven't really tried that hard, but, um, you know, I don't have any concrete data, but my anecdote says I'm getting good sleep. So yeah, check out the fee.com forward slash pillar code feisty 15% off. Hopefully, uh, reduce some anxiety dreams, but thank you, Steph, for the question. And Haley, we are bringing the people what they might be here for this week, which is our interview with, <laughs> with Barbara Yes. Yes. Okay. So Barbara is an incredible Chilean triathlete. She has been a triathlete for, I think most of her life, which is pretty cool. She's gone to the Olympics four times, four time Olympian, Alyssa, including a, I mean, going back to Beijing, Beijing Olympics was her first Rio. She got fifth. She finished fifth in Rio. And, um, and even, you know, most recently raced in Tokyo where she finished 25th. So since then she has transitioned a little bit more to long course racing and she qualified to race in Hawaii in just about a month's time. We did record this interview a few weeks ago and, Barbara was going through a little bit of an injury at the time, and we talked about that. And then unfortunately, since then, she was actually hit by a car on a training ride, which um, is every triathlete's worst nightmare. And she is mostly okay. She is recovering. Um, I know that in her latest Instagram post, she says she is like not quite back to full training, but things are progressing really well. So we are really, really pulling for her and really hoping that she can make a full recovery and race in Kona because she is a force to be reckoned with. And we would love, love, love to see her, you know, full health racing in Hawaii. So still lots to talk about. She's a great philanthropist for the sport or, you know, just really, really wants to give back because the sport has done so much for her. And that comes through in her conversation with us. So we will have that conversation with Barbara Riveros right after a word from our sponsors. No matter where you are at in your swimming journey, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. Use code IRONWOMEN15 for 15% off all items at orca.com. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to the Iron Woman podcast. 
Hi, how are you going, uh, Helen? How is everything going over there? Oh, oh, it's pretty good here in the U.S. And where are you right now? I believe you're in Switzerland uh, training. How is your summer going so far? Yeah, it's all right. You know, I'm in the Swiss Alps, so I love it here. I pretty much base myself maybe nine months of the year here. Um, so, yeah, summer is short, but uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. And uh, I love the mountain, so I cannot complain. And are you in St. Moritz or a different part in that Alps area? Uh, St. Moritz, yeah, yeah. Well, I lived with a Swiss family since five years ago. And uh, actually, it's a town be before that. It's called Celerina, but it's like 4K from St. Moritz. And what nice. is the training there like? We see a lot of videos online from various athletes who do training camps in the area, both both triathletes and I think a lot of runners go there. And I understand it's at altitude and it looks beautiful. And it looks like you have a lot of facility access. That's quite easy. Is that the case for the public to come and use the track and pools? Yeah, that's right. Well, we are here because my coach, Brad Sutton, it's based here. He lives here, actually. Um, in Samaritz, he was uh, staying for a couple of years, now moved down to another town, actually, below me, Bever. And um, so, yeah, we pretty much, uh, yeah, swim in the morning. The pool is actually, it's not like from remote. It's a 25-meter pool. Um, so we swim, you know, we have uh, from seven to nine, uh, five days a week, I think, or four days a week. Uh, and then, yeah, the track is great. I uh, haven't used it too much, but, uh, yeah, it's, as you said, it's open for the public. You just have to register it to the local uh, sport uh, management. And um, yeah, it's a lot of uh, especially track and field athletes here. And um, yeah, it's uh, you have a lot of variety as well for running. You know, you can run around the lake, run trails, uh, run on the track. Uh, the good thing here as well, if you want to do flat on the bike, you find like a 15, 20K loop that we do. Uh, mean straight so you can do 30k up and down uh, on the flat because a uh, long time ago I think 2010 uh, I went to Davos it's another place for altitude here it's about I think 65k from here but then the harder thing there was trying to find a flat section so you can do more like speed work so yeah I think uh, it has a lot uh, to offer so yeah it's really nice and Barbara, you secured your Kona slot last November at Ironman Israel. So did you plan your whole 2023 season around racing in Kona? Yeah, that's the plan. Definitely. I wish that I could be racing more lately, but I got an injury. So uh, yeah, we'll see how things are going and the preparation hasn't been ideal. And we're still dealing with that. So yeah, we'll see what happened. Can you tell us a little bit about your injury and, and what's going on? Uh, so after Ibiza, my hip was out of alignment. I did another two races and I pushed it too hard. I'm a person that I start a race and I never really pull out. Um, and I think I'm just a racer, you know, just trying to give the best what I have in the day. And I think uh, it make it worse. And um, yeah, it's uh, in uh, then start with um, inflammation in my hamstring joint insertion on the top. And then a little uh, tear as well. But I think the main thing is the inflammation in the session there. So it's uh, limited for running and um, on biking. So yeah, it's been uh, really hard. 
how are you managing it? Like, are there good physical therapists in San Moritz that you can see and, and work on that? Um, yeah, the thing was, you know, usually May here uh, is uh, holidays for the, the region. So for three weeks, I couldn't see any caro or physio. Uh, my current physio, you know, she wasn't here. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we have a little team here with a caro and uh, my physio that's uh, see me, you know, every week. And then uh, the doctor trying to find the bottom line of uh, the problem. Uh, I think that's been the harder thing because at the start was, of course, the hip was blocked and the sacrum and everything. But then we alight, we put it together, but then, you know, the pain was still there. Um, yeah, we just go there by day, week by week and trying to uh, yeah, trying to get to the bottom of uh, where the pain comes from. And I guess, um, yeah, when you deal with a tendon, sometimes it's uh, very nasty and it takes a long time to get it right so yeah hopefully um you get it uh soon right and then i can train uh yeah properly for corner if it's that the case yeah, yeah well, we'll we are wishing you wishing... the best on that yeah <laughs> can you going back to that in israel last november can you tell us a little bit more about it i think um it was a first year race there had you ever been to israel before that trip no, never. You know, it was uh, we were trying to um, juggle where I should go. Uh, it was uh, I think it was Cozumel, like around that the same time. Cozumel, I think Arizona, uh, Israel, and Baselton. So it was like two or three weeks apart. Um, and then yeah, um, I decided to go to Israel. Um, and actually the, the quality of the field was quite good in, in terms of like, you have some Kona girls that have a lot of experience, like Ruth, uh, was there, uh, who else, uh, Maya, uh, Daniela, um, yeah, it's Ruth Astle, it Maya was, Stage, Nielsen, yeah, Daniela Blamel. Yeah, some super solid, you know, girls there. Um, so yeah, we decided to go, uh, I think it was my second Ironman. Well, I did Embryman last year as well, but, uh, that's a little bit different. I would say race. Um, and then, yeah, for me, it was all about trying to, if I could get the spot, I knew it was a three spot available. Um, so I have a pretty solid swim, uh, was in the lead group it was another two years. So Lee. India Lee was uh, there. So we have a little breakaway, maybe the first 20, 20, 30 K on the bike. And then um, uh, uh, a group from behind come, there were like four and uh, I was a bit rolling. It wasn't quite like flat. And then it was um, it really a uh, uh, very, I would say four season um, weather forecast. Uh, it was supposed to be really sunny and hot and actually it was like storm there. So it was like raining, humid. Uh, I was actually cold on the bike. And um, and um, yeah, and then uh, I think about maybe 60K, Ruth come from behind uh, by herself. And then I think uh, I just grew up, got dropped from the top three girls in the front. And then a big group from behind where Daniela was pulling that group, uh, come from behind. And then, uh, yeah, I stay there. We caught the front and uh, then some people got dropped. And there were about six six of us there. 
until maybe what's maybe 45k to go on the bike and then the the pack broke in two i think three went in three or four went in front ruth was pulling that one daniela uh, uh susie chill cheetah or something mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was me, myself, Maya, and um, uh, this Polish guy, I forgot the name, I used to raise her in ITU. Uh, she just uh, got the qualification in Hamburg, I think. Yeah, uh, Jersey. No, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Frankfurt. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. uh, then, um, yeah, we rode together. It was really, really windy. Uh, it was, I think, a lot of people have um, even punches and everything. So yeah, the last forty k was really cold and and uh, all getting in really like cramp and everything. So yeah, we made it to the transition and I think the gap was like up to seven minutes or something like that. So even I remember, you know, putting my shoes on, I asked Maya, hey, "What's the gap?" And she looked at me like that. I was like really relaxed, but I think I was actually was super cold and smashed. And then, uh, yeah, they start running away and then they drop him straight away in the run. Uh, so I think, uh, and India Lee was behind us and he caught me. So for a lot of the marathon, I was running like seven spot. Uh, so for me, I was like, oh, you know, I don't think so. Today I will get the qualification because, you know, uh, I know it's a long day, but uh, yeah, all the other girls were running way faster. But I think one of the good things I just focus in my nutrition. I uh, saw, so, um, okay, it's a long day, just, you know, stay steady and just think about finish strong. And then as well, then I think uh, one of the things I have learned a lot is to be flexible and adaptable. And uh, for example, especially when I have my nutrition, the back, it wasn't with the number and on a line. So I got there and trying to find my back and it was like way, wasting life for like one or two minutes. And I was like, okay, I haven't even find it. And I was like, I cannot lose any more time if I still want to get the qualification. So then I just like forgot about my special need and grab whatever it was in the station and hope that I didn't um, upset my stomach. So yeah, and I think uh, maybe, I don't know, 15K to go, I think. I uh, start to, you know, come back and uh, yeah, I got my, um, uh, the Polish girl uh, past India as well. And I think, yeah, maybe, yeah, one lap to go. Um, I caught, I saw the, the bike and I was like, oh, okay, that could be possible. And uh, yeah, I caught the, the third gear and uh, I was just getting a lot of cramp in my calf, but I said, okay, if I can hold this space without doing any uh, silly thing, uh, just hold the same pace, maybe I can get the qualification. So yeah, I passed her, I think in the last lap and uh, yeah, I was super stoked and happy to uh, yeah get the qualification and cross the finish line in third place. Yeah, from seventh to third in the last 15 kilometers. I mean, it really shows that a lot can happen in an Ironman, I guess. What did you think about Israel as a host for the race? I mean, it's it's an unusual location, first year race. Uh, would you recommend it? Yeah, 100%, you know, like, okay, it's a bit different uh, of the Odek experience. I would say, you know, the country and the people, something is not as friendly as in other places, I will say. 
some stuff you think, oh, you know, should it be cheaper and it's a bit overpriced and, you know, for the location. But in terms of uh, the band, a band was running well, especially with all the adversity with the weather. You know, it wasn't easy to, to run the whole event, you know, in some time. Uh, it actually, like, in the running course, it was like a river crossing the street, you know. So it was a little bit of chaos even in the bike, you know, with, with the wind, with the rain. Um, and I think, um, yeah, even Patrick ran two hours 30, I think. And I think that was amazing for how the condition were that day, you know. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, like the day before and the day after was sunny and beautiful. Just the day of the rain was a little bit miserable. But I think the whole event went well and um, the organization was good, you know. The um, edit station was fine as well. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, maybe just because their uh, culture, they didn't have much media and um, and uh, yeah, photo that you can find from the race unless you have your private um, photograph. Uh, that's I think uh, something that maybe it could be better, but I guess it's part of the culture and and what how they run things there. Um. Barbara, earlier you mentioned Ember Man, which you did last year. And so that's coming up in the next few weeks. There's also this week, the Alpe d'Huez triathlon, a race that you won in 2022. So it sounds like maybe you aren't doing these races this year as you manage your injury and kind of keep Kona as the focus. Is that correct? Yeah, well, we definitely put in the calendar. Uh, but yeah, since I haven't been able to run, then we took it out. Uh, I'm still enter because my coach wanted me to enter to Emberman, but uh, I don't think so. I will be able to to race it. Um, but yeah, it's a really unique race. Uh, I love it. I think uh, you know it's a really I think 30, 38 or thirty seven around that years of uh, or thirty nine. I don't know uh, of uh, the race running and it's for like a private um, organization. And uh, it's just a whole community involved, you know, it's, um, and it really uh, touch a lot because, you know, you know, all the volunteers are part of the city and the town and you pass, you know, because we start very early, like 5.50 in the morning. So you start in the dark, you see in the first lap on the swim, on the dark, just trying to follow a kayak. I was terrible at the start. I kind of like got, uh, didn't know where to go. And uh, even when you start the bike, you know, you pass through the little towns, people get out and uh, just with probably his cup of tea trying to cheer you at seven o'clock in the morning at six. So it's a very unique and tough race. Yeah, and so you do these tough races like Altuez and Berman, you won both last year. Um, but your background in triathlon, your career started with like very fast, short course, draft legal Olympic racing. So are you surprised by your progression in the sport that you started with, uh, you know, racing these short, fast races, and now you seek out, or it seems like you seek out some of the most challenging courses and do well on them? Uh, well, I guess, um, yeah, I think I still have a lot to learn in the long distance and, and get stronger, uh, probably because I, yeah, maybe I climb more natural. Um 
But I will say, uh, yeah, I probably wish to have a bit more consistency in my running and training. Uh, but that's been all my, my whole career, always trying to deal with injuries. Um, it's just the way my, my body's built. But uh, yeah, trying to uh, look the bright side and uh, get stronger and uh, be competitive in the races that uh, everyone is there. And what about what you learn from taking on some of the super challenging courses that you do, like Emberman, Alp du Try, like all of these are, are so different than kind of like a flatter, fast course. So do you take something from those challenging courses that you, you know, use on the fast, flatter courses? Or, you know, is it just that you're you're fast on everything? <laughs> I would say... Um... You know, you have to learn to use the momentum in, in each course. And I think, um, yeah, of course, you know, when you, it's a flat course, uh, you know, the biggest gear, of, of course, will push harder, higher power and be stronger there. Uh, so for me, you know, trying to work in a air position and be just really strong and powerful is important. Um, I think last year I was pretty happy how, you know, in the Embryman, okay, it was a few heels and everything, but still keep really strong on the flat. Um, of course, moving from one distance to another, you gain and lose stuff. So you probably get uh, lose some speed and that's a fast fiber. Uh, but then uh, you just get stronger and more powerful. Um, yeah, I will say... You know, Ironman is a lot about pacing yourself. Uh, I even remember, um, you know, Jeannie College, I think the French girl who actually just won yesterday out the West. Um, she was actually catching me on the bike uh, going up the hill. So you go a few uh, paths um, or call, they call in French. And then uh, one of the hardest one, uh, it's about 90K or 90 something. And I remember she was actually, you know, from, I don't know, three minutes on the swim, she was actually, uh, when we got to that point, someone said to me, oh, it's just uh, a minute or 90 minutes or not. No, I think it was a minute. And I could see, you know, in the, in the twist, um, uh, I could see the motor bicycle coming. But then at the same time, I looked my watch and said, okay, Barbara, you know, you still have maybe two, uh, two and a half hours, three hours of racing. So, and and I was pushing. So what I learned from that, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It's very important to keep patient, to keep your pace and trying to stick to that. Uh, it was the same with Israel. Uh, everyone was running way faster at the start. And uh, I was just really saying, OK, you just find your rhythm, just, you know, eat what you need. And um I was trying to not thinking to run negative split the second half, but just thinking that, okay, what's really matter, you know, is the last 12K of or the second half of the marathons where things really fell apart if you cannot hold your pace. So I think, uh, yeah, I will take that uh, manage yourself well with nutrition and pacing. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you first started triathlon? I believe you were very young. Uh, yes, I was, uh, I don't know, my first triathlon was, I think, uh, 94. Um, and you were like eight or seven? 
Yeah, yeah, I think seven. And, you know, we didn't train anything. We used to have holidays uh, in a place where, you know, uh, all the south of Chile, Pucón, Villarica. And so my dad said, okay, you know, this trail and you guys go. So, well, that's, you know, I don't have a bike. I cannot even swim. So I was dog, uh, dog paddling. And um, my dad said, oh, I don't care. You just, the, your brother bike. And I say, okay, I can't even reach the pedals, you know, uh, with the seat. So, yeah, my first triathlon was like, uh, just doggy paddle the whole way, no goggles, because I couldn't even put the head down in the, in the water. Um, we used to ski. So I have a ski helmet. And, um, and I just used the bike of my brother. And I was like pedaling and then sitting in the middle too. So I did the whole bike like that way. And, uh, you know, the, the, we didn't have races or anything. You just have to use in that time the T-shirt that the race organizer give you. So it was like a dress for me. It was under my knee. So uh, it's some videos of that. And it's so funny because it's just the determination to do something and, and, and finish. Uh, it didn't care how it looked like and didn't care if I was prepared, but I think, uh, yeah, um, in that time, most of the time we just follow what my dad said and um, we were three. Well, my dad got married second time, so we in total six, but we're, at that point we were um, three siblings. And um, yeah, just, um, I have an older brother, I'm in the middle and then my younger brother, Gaspar. So uh, yeah, I was, super uh, happy to to race and at the same time i was really lucky to have two brothers that i um yeah we play a lot and now uh, i just tried to um follow them um so otherwise they will leave me on the side and say okay no you're a, a lady you can't play so yeah i have to be very brave in many moments to to stay with them and Barbara, well, we're fast forwarding through a lot, but you've competed in four Olympic Games, Beijing, London, Rio, and Tokyo with an outstanding fifth place finish in Rio in 2016. So what has it meant to you to represent Chile at the highest level of sport? Well, you know, it was uh, really special. Uh, you know, some people grow up always dreaming to go to the Olympic. For me, I think I started doing triathlon because my dad. I don't think so. I love it that much uh it was part of i would say yeah follow some uh, values in terms of uh, discipline you know um and then um it got to a point in one year i got uh i think nine in a world championship as a junior in gamagori 2005 and then uh coach come to me and give me a car so you know um really impressed uh would you like to go one time to australia so that was uh i was still in high school and then uh i went there and actually see how you dedicate yourself especially that moment that australia were the best in the world like winning you know everything 2005 six you know they were like the the best in the world and i could see what is actually uh live out of triathlon uh, because for us, belief from sport wasn't an option, really. Uh, in Chile, it's very important to have a degree and uh, have some uh, security in that term. Uh, and I think there, there is where the fire start. Uh, 
and then you know my dad is a very uh, uh, dominant person so it was the first time I actually as well faced him and said okay I'm doing this for me and see if I can survive so at that point you know my swimming's always been the weakness um so in 2007, I started uni in Chile. I went to nutrition and um, I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, training and, you know, study it, a part-time study. But then I went to like two workouts and I got lapped. So then I was, okay, it's a lot of effort from my family, myself, and we are really mediocre, mediocrity. And, and um, then uh, then of 2007, I decided to put in hold my university and then said, okay, uh, I'm not good enough to do World Cup, so maybe I will go for the new flag. So the new flag is the five continental. If you finish first in the ranking, you have a slot. And so it was uh, 2008, it was six races. I think I was on the American ranking, I was maybe fifth, something like that. I was uh, a few Mexican in front of me, Colombia, uh, Ecuador, Colombia, and all the American, usually the U.S. qualified through the World uh, Cup ranking, the same as the Canada. So we know, we knew that the main battle was with the Mexican. Uh, so, yeah, I just went for it. Uh, every race was like a battle. Um, and they actually always bring the whole team. So if two were like in front of me, they will start five of them and then work for two of them. Um, and yeah, so it was like a really epic qualification. Uh, finally, we, we did it. Um, uh, so it was very special. And I always call myself after Beijing, I said to my dad, well, you know, I have two options. I reach, you know, a really high level because as well, one of the things was like for Virginia, it's like, okay, I don't want to get lap uh, because I haven't done too many World Cups. And uh, we got 25, so for us it was really good. And then after that, I said to them that, okay, we reached that with a lot of effort from the family, funding and everything. So now I have two options. Or I retire from triathlon and dedicate full-time to nutrition or I go full-on and in track and I moved to Australia and see if I, if I can survive, uh, you know, doing a professional track. And that's where, uh, yeah, 2009 I started racing in World Cup and um, yeah, changed uh, coach to my uh, coach there, Jamie Turner. And um, yeah, and then things were improving and, you know, London, I think uh, 2010, 11, 12, I was doing really well. Uh, since didn't go right, you know, getting into London in terms of like we miss fly, miss. It was a, a whole thing chaos. So for me, London it was a really uh, sad experience in terms of like couldn't reach my potential that day. Um, and you know that that's the Olympic game. It's uh, one day for every four years. So everything you have to uh, get, get, you know, got it right, um, you know, flies uh, the whole system around. And because Chile is a country that they are just happy for you to qualify, but they don't do more than that. They don't look after details. So 
um yeah they, they don't have this the same standard of um of other nation you know um so with that disappointment i was i said to myself for real that i will organize everything by myself so for example beijing and london i have to stay in the village that was maybe you know 90 to 80 minutes away from the race most of the triathletes stay in a hotel so for real i said no i'm staying i'm getting an apartment i'm paying for it i'm staying from the race start i will do the test event i i know what i want to eat before so uh yeah just um really trying to control everything i could and uh all the mistakes or things that i felt didn't go right um get it right this time so personally for my family and myself and my coach uh, it was really uh, even that we couldn't get a medal but we put on self as a contender and you know it was on the bike i was ready if anything was you know like a breakaway actually in one moment it was a, a small breakaway with nicola flora myself but I think Flora wasn't 100% committed. Uh, I could have helped in the technical part and up the hill, but of course, Nicola and Flora on the flat are stronger. So it was more than for them if Flora was committed to go away. And of course, the British will, if you know, they wouldn't make it easier. So uh, I think Nicola was really determined, but I think Flora wasn't in that point. And uh, yeah, uh, so then on the run, you know, I stayed with the British uh, for a long time. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, some people said, oh, maybe you could have worked less on the bike. But I said, you know what? I think they were just uh, better. And and next day, I hardly could walk. So for me, I don't have any regret. I put myself as a contender, the other world would be better. So um, yeah, I walk away pretty happy uh, with that result. And I think, uh, yeah, uh, maybe I made the country happy and uh, proud. And, uh, and yeah, so that was a good memory. Yeah, fifth place. And so you were training with Jamie Turner. You mentioned the Wollongong Wizards, Gwen, Gwen Jorgensen, who won that race in Rio that year um, leading into that. What was that like? Yeah, it was really intense. So, you know, for me, um, I learned a lot from Gwen. I think... Uh, you know okay it's an individual sport but it takes a lot from the whole team to get and pay the price of that medal uh you know when it's super professional um she know what she won uh patrick was there doing everything for her you know from doing the grocery cooking looking after the bike you know packing and packing and it's a lot of load that you, you you as an athlete you don't have one someone like that it's it's uh you know uh yeah a lot of uh weight off your shoulder but at the same time you know people around could complain about that i say oh yeah i want to have this and that i was like well but she you know she delivery on the race she does and 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 that's you know it's easy to be a victim and say yeah you know because of this and that but you know at the end of the day, it's a lot of pressure. She deal with that and she deliver, deliver it in the right time, in the right place. So I think um, 
And she as well grew up a lot with Jamie in terms of like when she joined Jamie in 2013. And then, you know, she wasn't a really technical rider. Um, and uh, yeah, she got stronger. And in the other side, she was working really hard with Patrick in the technical aspect, you know, trying to um, uh, understand, you know, look after every single detail she could um, make a different. And, um, and I think in the race, it was a very important point, a critical point, I will say, that she actually was getting dropped, and I think, um, yeah, she she stayed there. Yeah, maybe uh, she had some people helping her run, being a domestic or not. Definitely, I believe that because I saw that I don't have that option. But for me, it's not a. Again, I'm no no complaint or a victim about that. I just know that. Um, yeah, she did everything to get that medal and she got it right. And I, I'm, I'm proud of how everything for her um, developed and how much she grew up, she grew up as an athlete. Barbara, you've mixed short course and long course racing for the better part of a decade now with your triathlon career. You've raced many 70.3s. You've even finished second at Ironman Western Australia in 2018 before you returned to short course to race at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. So did transitioning between the different styles of racing keep things exciting and fun for you as, you know, a key part of the longevity with your career? Um, you know, for Tokyo, I wasn't sure to go there. Um, for me, you know, I was ready to move to long distance, but because I have sponsors uh deals and then my brother at the same time said oh, come on you know go to tokyo we go together and i said okay already i wait for you to to olympic games um but you know then when i move after tokyo to long distance as i promised my coach um i will say it's it's okay to to mix it but then um you know for example for us now in November is this uh, Pan American game for the first time in Chile, uh, Santiago 2023. And uh, my country was very disappointed. I said, I'm not racing and um, because they expect me to race. And I said, well, um, I already have the experience to, you know, moving in both like short and long course. But if you really want to nail it in the long course or in the short course, I think you just have to focus because you gain some endurance, but you lose some speed. And I have seen some athletes like Luisa Batista as well, that, you know, she gets really well, really good in the PTO races or some amazing races, but then she, you know, in the short course, some really fast runners are there and really, you know, uh, good swimmers, especially when Jessica Lehman was there. So uh, I think now it's it become really specific um, and the speed they're running or swimming is really high. So I think uh, this is what I said to, to my federation and my country. It's like, you know, I want to see putting all the eggs in one basket and see how good I can be in the long distance. Um, they say, well, but you still can race, you know, even if you're uh, 60% 
and you still will do well, uh, especially we need you in the relay. And I say, well, but uh, for me, I'm a gold medal in the Pan American game. And uh, for me, I have high expectation. I'm not going to race to get top 10 or top five. Um, so I think it's good for training to mix it up. But then I think it, personally, I think you have to decide which one you want to choose and be great. So earlier this year, you and I raced together at Challenge Puerto Varas. And during race week, it seemed like every time I went out, I saw you leading a group run, doing an interview, giving a talk to age group athletes. Um, it didn't seem like the ideal restful race week, but I know you are very committed to giving back to the triathlon com community, especially in Chile. So can you talk about that commitment? Uh, yeah, you know, as an athlete, maybe you have experienced uh, through your career, you change your purpose in life or what are you doing? Maybe before you, you know, you want to win and you want to be in the podium uh then you know you reach some goals and then you have a bit more deep understanding what you're doing even you know sometimes you think oh i'm really selfish because uh you know i'm doing this one and and i have um yeah give up give up a lot of things you know friendship relationship but then someone said barbara i don't think so you are selfish because you you make so many people happier and uh, and give hope uh, for what you do, you know, especially that uh, yeah, you are, you know, little and uh, you show a lot of character. And I think that really touched me in terms of like, it doesn't even have to be in a sport community. It just transcends to many different people. And people that probably doesn't know what to strat on, but they just see you, that you fight for, for a dream with passion. And um, yeah, so for me, giving back to, to the community, especially, you know, uh, uh, the south of Chile. I didn't grow up there. I was born in Santiago, the capital. But then the south of Chile, especially Pucona, that area, it means a lot to me because it's where I grew up as uh, did my first triathlon. And um, even you have race in Pucon. And uh, I always say, even the organizer, I always want them to leave like the 6% of the income they have. Uh, yeah, it was a big fight because they didn't want to leave. You know, they just get there, you know, they make the event. So for me, it was, um, well, the race, they call the most beautiful race in the world or whatever. Um, but I say, well, the race is called not because just the scenery that is amazing, you know, the lake, the volcano, the nature, it's because of the people, you know, the people make the band so special, you know, you can have maybe the same landscape in Switzerland or in Austria, but it's so unique, the people, you know, in the street, you know, they're almost touching you. It's like, I don't know, racing the Tour de France or in, or in, in France, some races here in France. But uh, so for me, you know, since many years ago, I said to the organizer, we need to live like uh, the income you guys get to the community. Uh, but, you know, Chile is um, it's a capitalist country and then have taken, I think, the bad part of the capitalists from America. 
and in terms of like they they really want to privacy privatize everything and you know and then they have just a different uh mentality even you know like education is if you don't have enough money the, the education is, is really hard for some people the health so it's it's become uh yeah for me a country that uh you need to more understand what is community and have that um, that uh, way of giving back, um, but yeah, it's hard to to break that uh, mentality. We often have you know other guests who we ask what their favorite race is, and many many times they mention Kukon seventy point three as their favorite race for just some of the reasons that you shared about why it is is special there, um, and it has a legendarily difficult run course, so. Do you have any tips for that run course in case we've convinced some listeners to go check out that race? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, more than tip. I think it's just a very endurance race. Uh, a lot of people think the bike is flattish and not so hard, but as soon as the wind pick up on the way back, it makes it really draining. So then you're a little bit, you know, um, tired for the run. I will say the run is more like, you know, um, more than a speed, I would say, uh, as I said before, strength and endurance, because you have to deal with the peninsula three times. And sometimes it's not like you're, you're like tired because your heart rate is way too up. It's more like your muscular are breaking down and going up and down. And then the last peninsula, your, your, your knee or your legs or your calf are just like melting so I would say it's, uh, yeah, you have to pace yourself and at the same time be uh, strong, uh, muscular as well. So I raced with you in Pecone in 2017 and you overtook, I believe it was Alicia Kay in the final kilometer of that run. And I think I was like 10 minutes behind. I was so far back. Um, probably still dealing with the hills and the peninsula, but I could hear the roar that the crowd made when you made that pass. It was like, I knew something had just happened and you are obviously very popular in Chile. Do you feel a lot of pressure to win when you race in your home country? You alluded to it a little bit with the Pan American games, but even in Pucón, I mean, the crowds are huge and, and they are for you. Uh, yeah, I think more than a pressure thing. Uh, the other day I was listening to like, um, an interview and said, I think pressure is a privilege as well. You have to deal with that and you, you earn it. Uh, yeah, of course, you feel pressure. And uh, I like to go there and perform well for my people, even that I, yeah, some, sometimes not getting there super fit. But I think um, even a few times I've been injured a little bit, you know, uh, but then, uh, as I said before, I'm a person, if I start a race, I will finish. I will not pull out in the middle of the race. Um, and at that time, I remember, yeah, it was seven or seven and a half. And I remember getting maybe each lap was maybe down to two minutes. So I got out of the peninsula. We have to go through the town, maybe one and a half K. And they said to me, uh, yeah, 90 minutes, 90 seconds. And I was like, no, impossible. I think the crowd believed more than I believe. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm giving everything. But at the same time, I was really realistic. I cannot close 90 seconds in one and a half K. 
And I remember getting into like O'Higgins, that's the main road where uh, the big crowds there. And my dad went there uh, in the middle of the street and just shared at me like something really um, um, uh, like very, very touchy or something like really, it, it just made me realize that I need to change the pace. And a lot of people say, yeah, Barbara, from you running, I don't know what pace, that you just change totally your pace. And at that point, I couldn't even see the bike. And I was just thinking, okay, thinking about maybe 100 meters run, you know, and um, yeah. And then I remember maybe 700 meters to go, I could see the bike and then come closer. And yeah, I think when... Alicia explained the feeling. She said uh, she felt that a, a, a wave was coming behind her, like uh, you are in the, in the ocean and the wave will just eat you. And I remember it just, you know, coming close to her, like touch, touch her back. But at the same time, I didn't even lose, like keep the same pace because he said, okay, maybe she will not, she jump in my back and follow me and sprint me, you know, at the last, uh, in the green carpet. But uh, yeah, luckily uh, she didn't follow me. And uh, yeah, it was really, really special and a very emotional uh, finish line. And so October is going to be your first time racing in Kona and you've done so much during your triathlon career. So how does it feel to be a rookie there this year? Well, um, Kona, it's always uh, been uh, uh, very important in in Chile and in myself, even that I haven't raced there, I think what Christian Busto did in 92, I think was very special for us. It was, uh, he got second after Mark Allen. So I think, uh, yeah, it's never been in Kona, but I've been in Maui doing Dexterra there. Um, yeah, it's, it's special, but at the same time, I would like, to go and perform well, not just go for for finish the race. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I have to be realistic with uh, my current state now and, and see if I can get there in a decent uh, and a decent fitness. Is there anything you're really looking forward to experiencing during the race or on the island that you've heard about? I think um, when I have talked to Mark Allen, he just said it's very special, the whole atmosphere. And it's, uh, well, for him, imagine he lose, he lost six times to win six times in a row. So I guess he's trying to uh, get the the vibe of the, the island and uh, merge into one. It's a really tough race. Uh, yeah, you have to be really strong mentally and as well, I guess, uh, yeah, try to deal with the element. I will say is, uh, yeah, what I have seen is just the element put you in the right, in your place. If you are no, um, um, yeah, manage yourself very well. And as we talked to you today, we're about nine, 10 weeks. You guys will know better than me, 10 weeks out maybe from the, the big race. So do you plan to do all of your Kona prep in Switzerland or will you travel to do a camp somewhere else? Well, the start we were planning to go to uh, maybe Maui before, 
but now things have changed. So uh, we probably will stay in Switzerland and um, see what happens and maybe go just maybe a week before or something like that. So, yeah, I think a lot of things are still in there and uh, we'll see how we manage the last beat. Yeah, and obviously with all those things in the air, I, I am just curious, after Kona, would you normally take a break or will you just continue training? I mean, if the Chileans can get you to do the Pan American Games, uh, will you go for your seventh win in Pucón or are you just waiting, waiting to see how things go in Hawaii? Uh, definitely not going to the Pan American game because it's like two weeks after uh, and oh. I already told them not. Um, even they said, oh, come on, you know, like being the real ass, I know because, you know, it's uh, fresh. You have to recover. I won't have the speed. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm ambassador. Maybe they wanted me there to do some commentated or as well um, be as a mentor. I'm not sure. Uh, but then, yeah, we'll see, you know, um, I have to start as well thinking if I go and keep training a little bit more and do another, another Ironman, but I think everything will, you know, see what happened, uh, with my injury and as well, like, um, if it will be, uh, if the body will be recovered to do another Ironman, it's uh, a few, I think in November, a few of them, and then December, Baselton. So yeah, we'll see. But at the same time, as you said, oh, I have to go in January and do Pucon. It's uh so for me, I always have to say, okay, um have a break in November and then build with four weeks of training or five weeks of training to Pucon. Um, but yeah, it's very tricky because the time of the year you have to see where you put the break this year for example i did pukon and then i have a break after uh but uh yeah we'll see and uh i go uh week by week week and uh we'll see how things going well barbara thanks so much for taking time to chat with us it was great to learn more about your story and we will definitely be cheering for you through uh as you manage this injury and i'm i'm sure getting to the start line in kona nice and strong so thanks so much for taking time today Okay, thank you so much, you girls. Uh, it was lovely. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, the podcast keep up uh, the good interview. And uh, yeah, always great to listen uh, your podcast and uh, yeah, different um, people that you guys interview. Best wishes to Barbara in her recovery. Um, and we are looking forward to seeing her racing on the big island. Yes, always, always great to to catch up with Barbara and hear some of her stories. And Alyssa, I, I wish those best of luck recovery uh, wishes to you as well. Different situation, but you know, we are, we're pulling for the human body here so that uh, everyone is back racing healthy as soon as possible. So keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Haley. Have fun training and I'll talk to you next week. Bye Alyssa. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening. <laughs>